We're going to do a topical teaching this morning on identity. And the reason for that is that we've spent uh, since June uh, all the way through kind of last week uh, addressing in one way or the other uh, identity. And we've done that for a reason. And And the reason is really to equip our young people to navigate the culture that they're in and to equip them to walk in faith in the midst of that culture that is trying to draw them to a different what? To a different identity. And that happens both in gender and it happens in uh, the draw away from Christian faith. And so what we want to talk about this morning is what is our identity and how three other things, if you were a parent, three other things, beliefs, belonging, and behavior, how that reinforces and how that helps with the identity uh, of our children. Having said that, our youth group is using this book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. And I have some copies up here, and I think Juliet and Trevor will have some copies for parents that have teenagers or, or, uh, or I like to call them emerging adults. So uh, it's really good. It addresses three issues. The first issue that it addresses, can you take a wild guess what it would be? Identity. And it, and it addresses purpose and belonging. And it frames each one of those three things as a question, and then it delves into how every single teenager, whether they're a Christian or not, how they have to answer that question, and depending upon how they answer that question, determines outcomes in their life. So that's kind of the the setup. Let's pray, and then we'll begin our little study this morning. Father, we thank you for Thank you for coffee, Lord. <laughs> and, and thank you for the people that are, are serving us this morning and making a special time for us. But Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would feed us spiritually. And Lord, that in our sphere of influence towards young people, Lord, that you would equip us uh, to be an influence in their life for Christ. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm grateful for coffee. My favorite cup of coffee is Pike coffee. has a little kick to it. I've already had two of those, and I've had one of the, one of the ones from uh, our hospitality. So I'm feeling very nice right now, very, like, happy inside. And that's important because I did a 24-hour trip to New York. I, le- I got there at 4 o'clock on Friday, and I left there at 4.15, and I was able to visit with Madison and Lucas, who are two of the eight, um, and they had soccer games yesterday, and, and uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a fun day. If I didn't do that 24-hour thing, I wouldn't see them, you know? And, but what was special about the time, and it, this happens, this happens every time I go down there, is that in the morning, 
I'm the first one to get up. Lucas gets up kind of like right after me. And then Madison struggles down. And usually I'm there on a Saturday and, and the parents, they, I don't know where they go to, but they're not there at all. You know, they kind of struggle in somewhere along the way. And so my practice has always been, you know, to, to um, take them out to McDonald's and have hot cakes and sausage and chocolate milk. And, and this time the parents got involved. They said, Pa, that's probably not a good idea because there's like way too much sugar for, for them. And they have games to play afterwards. And so I said, okay, how about oatmeal? And so they said, yeah, oatmeal is a good idea. They got as much caloric intake from oatmeal. The brown sugar, Lucas and I got out the brown sugar. We got out the maple syrup. We got out the sugarized uh, uh, walnuts. We, I mean, that thing was buzzing. with. Uh, they probably had more sugar in that oatmeal. And also I have to say about it is this grandparents reign and it had no it had no impact <laughs> no impact on their games at all they were happy kids you know until they crashed they were happy kids but one of the things we did after uh you say how does this apply to the teaching just hang in there for a minute more after the uh, after the uh after our breakfast um you know they all have tablets you know that they they go to school. They do everything on these tablets. And uh, Madison was making avatars. Everybody know what an avatar is? So, she, oh, some of you people are really old. So th- she was making avatars, and she goes, she goes, Pa, I made, an, I made an avatar for you. Come and look at it. And I, I looked at it, and it was, it was kind of funky, and she put, you know, she put sounds to it and all that. And I said, you know, Madison, can you give me like a, can you give me like a really good black bushy mustache? She looked at me and she goes, Pa, you don't have any mustache. They wouldn't even. And then she made one of Lucas and Lucas didn't like his at all. He was like, I don't like that at all. And I don't like the sound. I want, I want to be that. I want, to, I want that type of avatar. The lesson here is that's where our, that's where our kids live. If you're under 20, the only world an under 20 person knows is a web-based kind of virtual reality world out here. The lesson there is that by making an avatar, you can be any person that you want. You can be like, like, like you know what I want. I, I want to be Italian. Like I want the mustache. But more than the mustache, I want the food. And so you can be anyone, any type of body. You can pick from this one and that one to be the person that you present yourself as. The lesson here is that there's no boy or girl 
who's completely satisfied with the way they're made. Some of the prettiest girls think that they're ugly. They want to be what? Thinner or shaped differently. Some of the boys, pre-adolescent, they want to have what? Muscles and be stronger. Some of the older guys have problems growing mustaches. They've never been able to grow a mustache. But in, the, in that virtual world, you can be anything, any shape, any person that you want to be. And in our culture today, a kid that might have problems with self-image or identity can create and be and present any way they want to be. And so then when they get to our school systems and they're feeling a little uncomfortable with their gender or the way they look, how many of you remember when you were 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, how many of you felt completely comfortable in, in your body? I don't know many. And so when we get to the public sphere, there's this guy, let me, Brett McCachran, who wrote this piece for the Gospel Coalition about our culture that our kids live in, the creation of identities that are self-made, the impact upon them as far as transgenderism and gender selection. Let me just kind of give you a quote from him. Only in a digital world like ours, where we increasingly live and interact in virtual spaces, can we make claims like this, that an online avatar constructed from images of a different person's body, yet with no relationship to our embodied reality, can be 100% me? Most young adults today have grown up in a world where they're known mostly by how they present, quote, themselves online. They take for granted that a certain distance between their real self and their online self is what? Normal. Normal. How many of you remember when your kids were five or four or five or six or seven? They played dress up. We have this most embarrassing picture of Timothy. Timothy 36, and as a family, I don't do it public anymore, unless I'm paid off, but, but as a family, we'll bring out this picture every once in a while. He's four years old, five years old. He's dressed up like Peter Pan. He's got tights on. His little butt is sticking out. He's, he's, he's like a little fairy, and he's having a blast. How many of the kids dress up as a superhero? 
How many of your kids dress up as a policeman or a fireman or a soldier or a nurse or a doctor? What are they doing? They're just playing. They're stepping into an identity. They're trying it out. They're taking it off. There's a little four-year-old dressed up as Peter Pan. Is that four-year-old gay? No, he's a child. Trying on something. Imagining things. Madison was making avatars. Creating them, taking pieces here from there creating an image, presenting that image as... Why is it so important for identity today? Why is it so important to know Jeremiah 1.5, Isaiah 44, Psalm 71? Why is it so important to impart the simple truth that before the world began... God formed you in your mother's womb. Because our identity, the core of our identity, doesn't come from some exterior, uh, uh, say, an attribute about us, doesn't come from the, the exterior, or whether we can play Suzuki violin at seven years old and dazzle people, or whether we're a soccer star who can juggle a ball a hundred times. N- none of that. All those things are external. All those things are fleeting. What never changes is that God made you. That never changes that you are special in God's eye. He only made one of you. Some of you say, praise the Lord, he only made one of you. And he formed you, Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10. He formed you for his delight. He formed you for his joy. He formed and preordained good works for you to walk in them. That is our true identity. It's easy to talk about it from a child's perspective. All the adults go, oh, I know that to be true. But what about you as an adult? You grew up in a dysfunctional home. You were told over and over again, you're no good, you'll never amount to nothing, you're a dog. I don't know why I had you. I wish I had more of your sisters or more whatever, more puppies rather than you. And you're an adult. You're 30 years old. And the voice in your head is the same. That's not your identity. That's not who God made you to be. That you're special. You're unique. You have a, you have a unique purpose. There is a unique purpose for your life that only you can fulfill. Wow, this is like some preaching today, isn't it? Woo! Getting out there, shaking my leg. That's what you get for three cups of coffee. It is critical that from the youngest age we impart to our children that they are unique and that they are special because God made them that way. And that God 
loves them and that we as parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and as spiritual members of their life and family, that we love them unconditionally and we will always love them for who God has made them to be. Do you think that would transform a heart? Yes, it would. It brings a sense of security. It brings a sense of identity and that our identity is not found in externals. Our identity is found because God has made us and God has made us special. And that applies not only to children, but to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and still learning it as a 60-year-old. That I am special and called of God to be Eddie Conway. Nothing more, nothing less. No performance needed, totally loved and accepted by my Father in heaven. We fuel that identity through the intentional impartation of good doctrine, the Word of God. We fuel that identity through good belief. We fuel that identity by connection, belonging, helping our young children, and reminding ourselves that we don't belong to ourselves, which is the value of what? The value of the world. The value of the world says you only are responsible for you, and you can make any decision you want because you are sovereign. Does God teach that? He does not. We belong to Christ. And to, get this, and I know this is freaky, but we belong to one another. When my kids were growing up, I came from a completely dysfunctional family. Uh, my dad passed away when he was 49. My mother was a functional alcoholic all the days of my young kids' lives. And we had to put up boundaries. And for my kids... Their grandparents, they came from within the church because Jan's parents were down in Virginia. And then they went to Florida to escape the grandkids, I think. I'm talking a lot about Florida. If you go to Florida to escape things, it's no fun. If you go there for, on vacation and you come back, that's good. Someone needed that today. I just know it. Probably. Yeah, you did. Um, my kids had their uncles and aunts. You were those for my kids. They were part of the family here. We can be that for our children. I spoke to one mom earlier today. She said, oh yeah, my, my little kid, people know her name. People notice when she had new shoes. It's like, that's what we want. Behavior, all of that impacts identity. In the book of Romans, I think you could do any sermon and use the book of Romans from. Old Testament, New Testament, anything. And for simplicity, I want to illustrate each one of these, these three cores that help our identity from the book of Romans. The first one is beliefs. Romans chapter 8. 
15, 16, and 17. This is what the word of the Lord says, and it informs our identity. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit, say it with me, of adoption as sons be whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? We are who? We are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so the word of God informs us that we are children of God because of spiritual regeneration. Because when we, when we repent of our sins and we turn to Christ and we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are changed. Our identity is as 2 Corinthians 5.17. Our identity is as a new what? A new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And when our mind... When our mind fails us and tells us that our identity is something else, the remedy is Romans chapter 12, 1 through 3. We use the word of God, beliefs, to inform our mind so that it will instruct our heart that we are a child of God. The word of God informs our mind, instructs our heart that we're formed in our mother's womb. The word of God informs our our mind and instructs our heart that we are prepared for good works that he prepared from the beginning of time for you and I to walk in. Second, belonging informs our, our identity. Come with me to Romans chapter 12. We just mentioned that. But look at verse 4. Romans chapter 12. Verse 4 and 5. For as one body we have many members, for as one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So all of these begin to weave together. We're unique because God's created us. We're brought into who we, we are brought into Christ because of repentance and faith. That informs us we are a child of God. God has made us unique. God has made us special. We are members, do not all have the same function. Verse 5 is key. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. We belong to Christ. And individually, here we go. Individually, members to who? Say it again with me. Members to who? One another. Our culture doesn't embrace that. Our Christian culture doesn't embrace that. What? No, I go to that church because Ben Knight is cute and I like him. And he plays funky songs that, and his piano licks are, are good. And the old guy in the back, oh man, that just brings back so many memories from the concert days. But do we go to a church because we're called there? Because we participate together as a family? 
That's, that's the truth. That's what God calls us to. And when we're called to that, that, that sense of belonging, that we belong to Christ and we belong to one another, then when the little kiddo walks by us, we don't head the other way. We get down on one knee and we say, how you doing, Jack or Tom or Louisa or Elizabeth or what, whatever the name? We get down on one knee and we make eye contact with the kiddo and we say, if we don't know their name, we say, what's your name? And, if you, and, and some of you are going to scare the kids. So, Like if you scare the kid and they start crying, don't do it again. You know, go to the parents and say, can you introduce me to your kid, you know? But can you make an effort? Can you make an effort to make a difference in a young person's life? Can you, can you know their name? Last one is behavior. We could come to Romans chapter 6. Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians 4, put on, put off. We've talked about it many times, but for the sake of staying in Romans, Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, by no means. (laughs) By no means. How can we who died to sin to live in Christ? And then Paul goes on to encourage us not to live in the sinful life, but to live and make choices behaviorally, to live in holiness, to live in righteousness. Even when I was looking at this this morning, beliefs, belonging, behaviors, contributing to identity, even the two ordinances of the church help to unify those things. Baptism is a picture of what? That we belong to who? Jesus. And that we're baptized because we belong to Jesus and we belong to his church. The Lord's table reminds us of how beliefs are transformational in the life of the believer. I was with Madison. And Lucas didn't like his avatar. Didn't like how it sounded. So he chose another one. I didn't like mine because I wanted a bushy mustache. Our children are in a world where not only can they create an identity and live with it in an online world, much of their social interaction doesn't take place by hanging out in person. Much of their social interaction takes place where? Online or electronically. Lucas is laying on the grass. He's exhausted after his game. I said, Lucas, what are you doing? Oh, I'm talking, talking, talking to my, my friends. I was like, how do you do that? Oh, he's 10. He doesn't have an iPhone yet, but he's an Apple Watch. So he's a chat group, fifth grade chat group. How'd the game go? That's where they live. 
most of us in this room, and we had a little Q&A at earlier service, if you're over 20, or if you're definitely over 30, you have no clue about this. Seems odd. Seems like six, six. They don't approach it that way at all. It's not the evil empire. It's not the Antichrist. It's their world. It's their culture. My charge to us is to grow and to learn and to be able to be a person of influence in our young people's lives and to bring a simple message to them. You're not defined by anything else other than this. God made you. He knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And because of that, you are special. You are loved. You are worthy of respect. And you're worthy of my time. You're worthy of my time. If you do that, we do that together, we'll make a difference in our young people's lives. And if we're willing to step into our identity of who we are in Christ as adults, we will experience the grace and healing and joy that comes from embracing exactly who God designed us to be at this moment for this generation at this time. Can you say amen? amen. We're going to